You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. All right. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast. My guest today is co-founder and head coach of Enlifted. He's also a renowned TEDx speaker and has been a guest on podcasts with Paul Check and Ben Bergeron. And we are lucky to have him to come in today and talk to us. Please welcome Mark England. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Kevin Wood. And thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. So I realized, or I just found out that it's been your 16 year coach anniversary. Is that what they call it now? Is that, that's the first time I've heard those words, coach anniversary. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, I was saying my professional birthday, uh, was <laughs> today's the 18th was yesterday. Um, uh, yep. So once upon a time, 16 years ago, I walked up to the practitioner board at the spa, which is health and cleansing resort on an island called Koh Samoy in the Gulf of Thailand. And I put, it was a bold move. I put my poster up because I was, you know, they invited me to come work there. And uh, I put my poster up uh, next to all of these other practitioners who had been doing their line of work, a variety of different styles of, uh, you could say coaching or helping people um, for years with some very experienced people. I put my poster up there and lucky me that it was in the, it was in the high season. So I got busy right from the start and I've kept myself busy since. I can't imagine. Well, I can imagine um, the amount of just the group calls that we've been doing. So by the way, Mark is my, currently my coach when it comes to the Enlifted program. So just to kind of preset this to to set the stage here. And so we do one coaching call every week, that's two hours. And then he's just finished up a series of one-on-one calls with everybody that's in the group. That is a lot of time uh, spent coaching. So for you to carve out some time to jump on this podcast. I'm very much, uh, very appreciative of that. So what, what is Enlifted? Let's start with, let's start there. What does it even mean? Good question. Um, so it can be an adjective. It can be a verb. It's both actually. Um, so, so Enlifted as a verb is to, it's an action. It's to improve the integrity of something, whether it's a person or, a thing like a walk, you can go on an enlifted walk. There's things called enlifted walks, uh, where you go out on a solo walk and you leave your phone at home and you think about I've, your thinking. I've done a few <laughs> of those, <laughs> dude. Those things are those things are real, man. Yeah, it, it's it's um, we have that's an actual piece of homework on every for every week for level one, level two, all of our certifications to ancestors, all the stuff we offer, everybody goes on one walk a week. So you can enlift your walks. Um, uh, you can enlift your language and lift it. It's a way of bringing, uh, to use an overused word and use that word accurately, awareness to your thoughts, your thinking, your, your, your words. Um, most people are, they have, 
they have little to no education about how their language is interacting with, say, their imagination or their feelings and emotions. But take out interacting, put in influencing our language. And when I say language, everybody, I mean our internal dialogue and our external dialogue. What we think, what we say, and what we write influences us. Okay, certain words take us down a darker road. Certain words force us, whether we like it or not, to create the victim-villain mental imagery, victim centricities in our story. That is by nature and definition stressful, and it induces a stress response, sympathetic nervous system response, and the breath gets trapped in the chest, and then it just it just keeps going. There's also uh, other ways to use our words, our language, our thoughts, and what we say and what we write to build ourselves up in our imagination and create lighter and brighter and more energizing feelings and emotions um, to improve our posture and to unlock our breath. And most people, myself included, in school didn't have one course class or conversation on how on that side of language most most of the time it's traditional spelling grammar and definitions and there's a whole uh mystical aliveness to to our story to our stories and our words and uh yeah so add and lifted we help people think about their thinking yeah. and then usually better things happen when that happens it's literally like peeling back layers of an onion. Like it's, it goes deep. There's a core. And once you strike that core, man, things can change pretty drastically after that. Yeah, they can. Um, and I stay amazed and impressed and fascinated with what someone can do. Uh, when they know what to do with a pen and a piece of paper or what someone can do or more technically um, initially this is usually starts with an undoing what someone can undo for themselves as far as a story a set of repetitive feelings in their adult life that they just keep showing up even though the situations seem to change the feelings stay the same uh, that someone with a little bit of, of knowledge can help someone do with their story you know I've been saying this a while. Um, I didn't need a doctorate to create my stories of ouch and pain and sting and woe. And I don't need a doctorate to change them. It's true. We're going to get into that victim mentality mindset that you just talked about earlier. But first, what sparked you into creating this whole thing in the first place? <laughs> the victim mentality. Take out the, <laughs> put in mine. Well, I, I train wrecked myself overseas. Uh, when was that? Uh, 21 years ago. I thought I was a tough guy, everybody. I wrestled in high school and got into jujitsu in college and uh, had a handful of MMA fights and won some, won a couple of state kickboxing titles. And then I moved to Thailand. I was going to go over there for a year, sharpen up my skills. And then come back and go pro. And that's not what happened by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, six months over there, my knee fell off and I had my second knee surgery. And um, it's in a lot of pain. With, and, and so when the doctor told me your career as a fighter is over, 
turns out he was right. Um, and man, am I glad he was because it was a very self-serving thing to do. And, and, uh, a lot of it was a lot of my, the reason I was training to fight was just a victim story on, of another flavor in my head. You know, I'm going to prove them all wrong. Who's them? Who's they? All of them. And how am I going to know when I have, or I'll, I'll show them or, you know, I, n- n- nobody believes in me. What do you mean? Nobody believes in me. Plenty of people believe in me. I got all kinds of hugs and parties when I moved over to Thailand and, you know, I won most of my fights and it was like, I was making shit up in my head. that was very inaccurate and stress inducing and, and, and jaw clenching and just like, you know, make turning me into a very rigid person. Oh, and by the way, trap my breath in my chest. Um, oh, and I was also scared that I was scared. I wanted to prove to the world that I wasn't scared because that part of me was scared. Um, and, and that goes back to some uh, f- stories that happened when I was a kid, man. I remember Danny Potter and Nathaniel Braun got in a in a fight in elementary school on the playground and it freaked me out and I ran the other way and I used that as proof years and years up into my when I was a grown ass man here here's the evidence that you're a scaredy cat and then another time I was at a roller skating rink probably nine ten and I went outside and this kid uh he he tried to spit on me from up 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 on top uh, flight of stairs and I walk up there and the kid was bigger than me. I walk up to him and I kick him as hard as I could right in his leg. And he kicked me right back in the leg and it stiffened my leg up. And I, 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 I peg legs down the steps and ran to my mom and cried. <laughs> and, uh, and so that now I've got the proof that I'm a sissy and I'm going to go overcompensate um, majorly for years. And so anyway, so I had all those backstories running and when i went over there and failed it was the biggest move of my life up and up 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 until that time um i'd only had my passport for two years and now i'm moving to thailand for a year uh and it was a big deal i I mean parties going away parties and i go over there and i just messed the whole thing like big time and so now i've got that final piece of damning evidence that there really is something wrong with me and I really am a loser and I really am doomed to fail and I'm not good enough. And so darkness descended. We're and still on the, I'm still, I'm still telling the story of how I got into this, by the way. Yeah. 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 Well, but that was kind of like a low point, like almost majorly. a bottom. Yep. Majorly. Uh, I didn't laugh for a year. That's a very weird thing to not do for a year. And fortunately I did have a flash of, clarity when i thought to myself um dude are you gonna be 55 years old complaining about this flash in the pan fight career that could have been and i i i was correct in my uh assessment that i actually could i actually could and if i did then you all really are a loser fact just send it to the internet as the kids say these days full send there it is and um and right around that same time uh i was an elementary school pe teacher at a international school over there great gig and my 
assistant principal came back from doing this cleanse at this place called the spa, which is where I ended up working where we started the story. Um, what did you call the word? Professional birthday, pro birthday? Coachiversary. Coachiversary. Yep. <laughs> that. Um, so the first time I went down there was early 2003 and it was a great gig for them. I pay them to not eat and take some yoga classes and here's a coconut and yoga's at, at nine. Um, and there was a lot of people there at the time. It was peaks, peak everything there, down there. Place was popping. And I came back feeling a little bit better. I went down there. So I kept going down there. And one night I went to a um, emotional detoxification and emotional detoxification workshop with a guy that, well, I laughed at it. I laughed at it. <laughs> emotional detoxification. W wisdom. And um, I went though, and I saw a guy turn a woman's bad, nasty, he did that to me breakup story on its head by putting her through a process of tell the story, tell the story again, adjusted some language, told the story the third time, and he stopped her at that, that exact sentence, by the way. He did that to me, and you had to repeat it. And repeat it again so all the, the audience is looking at the same set of words. And if whoever's listening to this, I invite you, I challenge you to pick up a pen and write that sentence down. He did that to me. And then he had her take out that last word, me, and put in himself, the word himself. And it was such a radical departure from the story she'd been relentlessly repeating inside her mind inside and uh, for the past four years that she said it clunky with up talk, which means it goes up at the end, which means it's a question. He 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 did that to himself. And then you see it catch her. You see her see some breath come off the top. So she's getting herself out of that that stress response. <laughs> He did. He did do that to himself. And then she starts talking about all the friends he lost. And it was actually, it was it was bad news for him for a long time. And then she the last thing she said before she walked out of that workshop with a smile was, you know, that was never going to work out anyway, because he was actually kind of weird. Right. One word, one sentence, one word in one sentence. And I go. That's not my story, but that's my story because I had a he, he he shouldn't have kicked me that hard. We were just warming up. What was he thinking? And a bunch of other stuff too. And so um, that was the night I began. And I did. I took some action. I took I took good amount of action immediately. Uh, fine, I'll tell the rest of the story. So he he showed us what to do, and he paired us up with people um, at the end of the workshop. And he said, okay, coach each other. And so I was coach first. I had no idea what I was doing. And this woman shared this story and I was like, I, trying to do what he, what he was doing. And then he goes, okay, everybody. It was after five minutes. He goes, switch. And I looked at her and I go, not a chance. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I'm not doing this. And I got up and I left. And. Uh, I went straight to the internet cafe and I printed out an 88 page manual uh, on the same system on how to do it on yourself. 
And I printed it out and I went back to my cabin and I started working on my stories. There was no way I was sharing my stories with anybody. I was too, I was so wound up, dude. Uh, And I was like, I am, I am going to go in there. Just, this is where it begins. And a short amount of time, I felt better. I was like, this stuff's real. And then you had to share that shit. Yeah, which I do with way more ease and grace than I used to because I didn't used to do it at all. I'm guessing and now I can talk about. Yeah, what's that? I'm guessing you unlocked your breath so that you could actually oh get the positive stories out there, too. That's take takeaway, I guess. I know <laughs> it's true. I that's how I know I've done a decent piece of work on myself is because I breathe. I breathe well. I breathe so much easier. I hear it in my speech. I uh, observe it in my interactions with people. You know, when I'm in social situations, I breathe well. So half the time, I'm not thinking to do it. And if I think to do it, then I still do it. Uh, and you know, if, if anyone wants to improve their social skills, because guess what? Their skills. Uh, Breathe better when you get around people and watch what happens. You'll have way smoother conversations. You'll be a better listener. You'll be um, you'll have better rhythm and timing with your your interactions with people with your words. You'll be more relaxed and loose in your physical body, and people will pick up on that too. Because guess what, we pick up on those things, you know. Uh, and and you'll enjoy being social more than you did when you were holding your breath it's uh it's a lot of fun when once Dude. you recognize and practice how to do that thousand percent it's a it's a it's a it's a superpower uh negation acknowledge that you never knew your hat never knew you had and um it'll work anywhere <laughs> what do i mean by that if if it will work, because it does, um, around your nuclear family. So the holidays just passed, and I would imagine people shared some time with family members. And sometimes it's family members can push buttons like nobody else on the planet. Guess what happens when that happens? Or like somebody's somebody brings up the that that family member that nobody talks about. Okay, just gets swept under the rug. Somebody brings that person up, or they say something, or you know, they bring up politics and then, you know, World War Three happens inside the, the, the family room right before Thanksgiving dinner. If you breathe, get your breath low and slow. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing it. And at the very least, you'll stay, quote unquote, clear and clean in the conversation. Because when when people describe the the vibe in a room, you could cut it with a knife what they're describing is everybody holding their breath and everybody registering that everybody's holding their breath that nobody hates that likes that energy. It's true. That, that brings me back almost to an analogy, but it happens practically in the gym. When we want to create tension in our body, we hold our breath. Breath hold equals tension worked for conversations as well. Exactly. The breath is, I was on, um, so this is my 320th podcast that I've been, been interviewed on. Um, and I did one late last night, 9 PM, went to 10 30 PM. I, I've 
have I ever gone on a show that late before? Anyway, it was a friend and it was some people from the West Coast and it, we just had to work it out. And so there's four of us on there. And um, the conversation from four different angles descended into, into the through line for the whole thing being the breath. The breath is the gas. The breath, the breath is the brakes. And um, I, I doubt many people listening. I mean, I didn't. I've got a degree in education. I didn't have any breath breathing classes. How important is that? It's super important. Yet I had no breathing classes in middle school or high school or college or when I got my degree in how to teach. Nothing. And yet we're doing it all the time. Most people are doing it poorly. And uh, me, Mr. One Trick Pony over here, uh, uh, my personal professional opinion is a very large part of why that is. Is because people's language is working against them unbeknownst to them. And they're telling them, themselves victim-centric stories unbeknownst to them, wondering why the world's against them. And the sky's falling and everybody's got it so much easier than them. And um, they're just tense and, you know, edgy. If someone's if someone's if someone is edgy a lot, that means they're holding their breath in their chest. We think about it, and so you know we're known here and lifted as the language people. We might as well be known as the language and the breathing people. And push comes to shove, it's about the breath. Let's change some of the words, unlock the breath, and then you'll live better and more fun. I told you that in one of our uh, group calls. You're like, what's What's something that you've noticed that's different? And I said, coming into this, I was excited about the language stuff. And that's where I thought all the magic was going to happen. And the breath part was just like the woo woo, whatever. It's whatever. It's part of the program. I guess I'll do it. And that the breath part has actually been the most, I've seen the most change and it's other people have noticed it as well, which is, that's the cool part. Um, that's going cool. back. What is, I, I know, I already know the answer, but maybe everybody here doesn't. What is your definition of the victim mentality? Well, I just asked. <laughs> and Mr. I have Bro a follow-up question after this, which I don't know if you've ever been asked it before, but we'll see. Oh, I, thank, I love that. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit out of the middle, everybody, and recite the definition of the victim mentality. I'll do it slow. And uh, again, if you got a pen and piece of paper, Write it down because most people have never, they've heard of, you know, oh, they're playing the victim or that person's got a victim mindset or they've got a victim mentality. And very few people have heard the definition of the victim mentality and very few people still have ever written it down. So uh, cool things happen when you do. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence, the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. And if I may go through it one more time a little faster and, and give context. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends, it's a tendency, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, to regard themselves as the victim 
uh, of the negative victim of the actions of others, victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends, underline that word. So it has to have a habitual thought process and attributions. So habitual accurately implies duration and addiction. So the drum roll question is, if there is a habitual thought process, also known as certain words put together, that the victim mentality has to have, what are those what are the what are those what are those magic words? What are those what are those what are the words? Uh, and and what are its alternatives? What are their alternatives? And we've made we've that's been the foundation of our business. So we put out in our first uh, online course back in the day that shrugged launched into the stratosphere. All right. What's the opposite of victim mentality? In the enlifted vernacular, architect mentality. Describe that. Or the hero's mentality. So the victim mentality, um, it, it helps people conclude that, like I said previously, everybody's got it way easier than I do. Um, I'm powerless. I'm not good enough, a, a telephobia, the fear of not being good enough, look that up, and that I am separated, alone, and um, insignificant. I'm, a, I'm an innocent bystander in my own story. Uh, NPC, non-playable non character. Uh, I'm a spectator in the stands. I don't matter. And then all hell breaks loose in some form or fashion or flavor in some directions, numerous usually, when a person identifies themselves as such. Because once we identify ourselves as something, this works for better and for worse, we get better at being that thing or doing that thing. Uh, I can elaborate on that later. Um, the, the architect mentality is uh, you know that you have uh you learn before the knowing is the learning you learn that your identity so the current definition of identity is the fact of being who or what a person is and that one's pretty funny when you think about it and i had the pleasure of dispelling that which dis dispel spells dispels dispel that which means to cast out on stage at tedx rva in 2017 in front of 1800 people when I said uh, – I gave that definition and said, uh, raise your hand if you see yourself differently in any way now than when you were five. And it's such a ridiculous question. The whole audience laughed. And so our identity is not this fixed thing, okay, that we're just a, um, an unwilling recipient on the end of, you know, on the receiving end of. We're participating in our identity, also known as our mindset. Okay, that's an ongoing, fluid, flexible process, a story. And the so mindset gets talked about a lot, especially in the fitness and you know, personal development spheres. That's fantastic. Let's keep doing that, and let's add a little something to it, because the way mindset is usually talked about 
it's this big picture thing that we know we need to get better at, but how? And then there's that confident person over there, look, looking person over there, and, and that looks fun, and I'm over here. Whoops, would have been nice. When you add in what words to use less of and why and what words to use more of and why, now mindset is practical. Key word practical. Look at the, the root word is practice. You can practice thinking using different words in your thoughts. You can practice saying different combinations of words. You can practice writing different combinations of words. And as a byproduct of that, you gain control over your story, which is um, a very empowering thing to do. It's a, it, it builds a ton of confidence when, when, when people feel like everything's out of control control it's usually because the story's out of control and that's almost exclusively because they haven't had any training on how to use their words or have conversations most people don't they're com they don't have conversations conversations have them i just i ran i go on rants and tangents everybody <laughs> i should have warned everybody at the start it's all right Seriously. um i have a quote from you I don't know. You just said it. It was just something that you said in one of our calls, but I wrote it down. I don't even think you told us to write it down, but it, it jumped out at me and said, most people can fix their shit with a pen. Love that. Cause it's, it's true. So true. And it's not just true. It is so simple. It's yeah. so simple. Literally, if, if you're listening to this, look around. I guarantee there's a writing implement somewhere within arm's reach of you. Very likely. That is your, you fixing your shit is within arm's reach. First things first, everybody. If you write it down, like literally get your shit in writing. And here's the thing though. Do not allow yourself to believe what's on paper. Okay. Or, um, or know that you're likely going to believe something different later. That's a better way to say it. So get it on paper first, right? And get with Kevin, okay? Book in for coaching sessions because he knows what to do. And he'll help you uh, shine some light on some of the words that are forcing you to see things in uh, unfavorable light, take out things put in yourself because it all eventually comes back to us and um uh most people erroneously think that their problems are so big and huge Fine. okay great we'll start there that my problems that are so big and huge the solution has to be equally as big and huge and i'm here to say that 99% of the time i'm giving myself some wiggle room it's the exact opposite it's a pen and it's a piece of paper and a little bit of uncomfortableness okay maybe a lot and guess what who cares even if the pen feels like it weighs it's a 900 pound deadlift Write that shit down because the alternative is way worse. Those stories staying hung up in your in your in your head, which is where most people keep the stories of ouch and pain and sting and woe, which is also where it's the most um, you know high value targets uh, to start helping someone with their mindset. Get the get the top ten stories of ouch and pain and sting and woe specific events 
titled and written down on paper and then get with Kevin or, you know, another enlisted coach and go through the process of airing those things out and very likely um, changing some words because most people, most people do not write anything down, okay, especially of a, of a, of an ouchy nature. And I understand why, why would I do that? I'm doing my very best not to feel those feelings, even though I'm still feeling those feelings. Um, and the point is to feel the thing through. Okay. We know what to do with the rest of it. Once it's written on paper, negative, negative, quote unquote, negative memories. It's like it, they burn going in. You've heard me say this. They burn going in. They smolder while they're in there and they burn coming out. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to a Thai restaurant, get a, a curry <laughs> Thai hot, and then message me on Instagram, even though I'm not on Instagram, uh, you know, two days later, assuming that everything's working, uh, and you'll know what I mean. And um, yeah, and so, yeah, there's, there's, there ain't no free lunch with this work, folks. It can be very challenging, and it's, it's, it's pale in comparison to the challenge of, you know, bumping up into those, um, those, those quote unquote negative stories for a handful of decades. That that's the real suck right there. What do you say? There's something else you say stories stuck in the head, something, something. I don't remember exactly how you, I'm happy to do this. Stories kept in the head are very disorganized in comparison to once they're written down stories, stories kept in the head, which is where most people keep their stories. Like I said, of ouch and pain and sting and woe are, are seemingly infinite. Where does it start? Where does it stop? There's the worst part again, ouch. What do I do with this thing? Fight it or avoid it. Neither of those work uh, in comparison to externalizing the story. Okay. Get the thing written on paper. Once it's on paper, it's now way more organized than um, it was kept in your head. And now it's finite, definitively. There's the first word. There's the last word. And coaches, if you want to read your client's mind, have them write down their stories and read it. That's their mind. So you can read your client's mind. Just have them write it down first, and then you don't have to guess. There's no guesswork. <laughs> well, that's a very clarifying process, by the way, if you're helping someone with their mindset, which is the definite, the enlifted definition of mindset is the story we tell ourselves. What stories made of? Paragraphs. What are paragraphs made of? Sentences. What are sentences made of? Words. Get the words on paper, and now you and your client are looking at the same configuration of words, and you can pin them down like nobody's business, and they, it's going to – sometimes it stings a lot, and they're going to thank you forever. Because dialoguing back and forth about surface level right now stuff when the real action is is kept in the stories of ouch and pain uh, that that are in the haven't been written down, dialoguing back and forth like that that is that is tough work for a coach comparison to once the stuff is written down. Hundred percent agree, and it's the cool part. So with some of my clients, I've been playing these word games, mm. and you know. I made the mistake of saying it was going to be a fun game. I didn't say for who it was definitely fun for <laughs> me, not fun for the client. But then at the end she goes, she goes, that wasn't fun at all. I go, no, 
but was it valuable? And she said, yes. So I was like, that's a win. Valuable for me, valuable for you, fun for me. Everybody wins here. So that's good. I was like, do you want to play some more games next time? She's like, I'll have to think about it, but we're going to anyway. <laughs> it's, um, yep. Yeah. Uh, this is a podcast about resiliency. And I'd love to hear what your definition, you seem to like definitions. Um, do you have one for resiliency and what it means to you? Um, resiliency is close in my mind to capacity. Uh, um, I just, I yeah. love that you just said that. And I'll tell you why soon. <laughs> yeah. Because guess what? Even David Goggins figured out that he needs to stretch at night. And and here's another thing that mindset has got a very one dimensional um, name in, you know, fitness and personal performance. It's like you guys are smash through and and, you know, crush your goals and conquer your fears and and never look at the words, folks. Never let them tell you you can't do it. Look at those words. Never let them tell you. You can't do it. That's that's got uh, pro, it's a projection. There's a negation in there. It starts binary off language. binary, dude. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Booking, booking. Are you doing sessions? Are you doing coaching <laughs> sessions? You so should I, be because you know this game, bro. I just did my uh, practice, my one-on-one peer-to-peer coaching uh, a couple days ago, and man, it was it was neat to be on the coaching side, and it was really neat to be on the being coach side. So now that I had that practice. I'm going to start sending that Google doc out to people and getting more reps in basically. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, in a, you'll, in a very short amount of time, you'll, you, you'll figure, cause I, I say this on the certifications, there's a certain amount of confidence and competency, uh, confidence and competence that you build on, on the certification. And then there, there's another flavor of confidence and competence that you can only build by going out and using it on your own. It's just you and your client in the Google doc. Yeah. It's a lonely, beautiful place. And that's where you, that's where you actually learn. You learn to learn on the certifications and then in your lessons, cause your sessions are your lessons in your lessons, in your sessions, that's where you learn, learn. For sure. All right. Going back. So you mm. talked about capacity. Mm-hmm. That is also how I have described it myself. So I've interviewed tons of people and asked them what their definition is. And every single person has given me a different answer, which is amazing because it has a, a different meaning for everybody, which makes sense. My When I boil it all down, though, it comes down to your capacity to handle X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be your capacity to handle physical stress. And that could be a really hard workout. It could be a car accident. It doesn't matter. How are you able to physically handle that physical stress? It could be emotional stress. So if something comes at you and you get hit with, you know, a lawsuit or somebody in your family dies or whatever, how are you able to handle that? What's your capacity to handle that emotional stress? And so, that capacity or that capability is really the the key to it all. And so then what can you do to become more resilient? You have to, what I personally choose to do is to put myself 
in safe, controlled moments of stress, both physically and mentally. And that's why I choose to do CrossFit. And that's why I choose to do these long 48-hour endurance events because it's not just physically demanding. That's also mentally and spiritually demanding. And so when you put yourself in those hard situations, you're developing almost like a bank that you can recall and, and look back on and say, look, if I did that, then this is nothing. Like I can do that, no problem, right? And we've done that. I've had a one of our trainers here he did a little fundraiser for every dollar that he raised, he would do one burpee. He thought he'd get maybe like a couple Don't hundred bucks. Yeah, he got a thousand. I made sure to top it up. He was at like nine something. I was like, I'm going to top it up. And we went You're going like quadruple digits, bro. Yeah. And now when we do a workout that has 50 burpees in it, he's like, meh, whatever. There's nothing. 50 is nothing. I've done a thousand before. So anyway, that's the capacity talk. I really jive with that for sure. Yeah, this, um, you know, they, they were saying in permaculture is, is everything happens at the edges. And so it's good at times to take yourself to those edges and experience those, those kinds of stresses in order to redefine your boundaries, your borders. And um, uh, one thing that this work has, one of the many things that this work has helped me to do is to relax into uh, emotions and feelings, whether they are mine or other people's, as you, you are well aware of what this work is about. And um, you could easily imagine the amount of stories that I've heard over the past 16 years of highly emotional, highly emotionally charged natures. Um, and I do come from a, uh, hard style martial arts background. I've got some hard style hobbies and things like that. And I, I like, I like being able to do both, you know, really just sit with somebody and be there, be, like be there, be there. I'm only here right now, a hundred percent of me while we're going through this story that has haunted you for God knows how long. Um, and, you know, 30 minutes later, go down in the basement and put my gloves on and, you know, do nine rounds on the bag or, you know, something along those lines. It's just they, they've both become the same thing in one sense. And I can go back and forth between them um, uh, sometimes seamlessly. And I don't want people to get the wrong um, idea that everything has to be hard for there to be change. Because some things that are hard for me are super simple for others. Sure. And one example is slowing down. This morning solo walk that I went on, it was 45 minutes. And it was the shortest distance I've ever done in 45 minutes in my entire life. <laughs> you went on a slow roll. It was. And I found this out <laughs> halfway through. If I, if I put my hands and clasp them behind my back, I walk slower. Like an old man walking through a store with his wife, just like browsing. So I go on browses now when I'm out for my <laughs> solo walks and I just notice everything. Dude. I see everything. I see stars, lights. Uh, I wonder like if that person's bedroom light on, are they awake or did they just forget to keep the lights on? Like, man, all these things are going through my mind that if I was living my life normally going as quick as I can, trying to get as many steps as I can. And as far as I can, I would notice next to nothing. 
this is this is experiential folks that's part of the one of the cool things about this conversation you can experience what we're talking about here what do i mean okay go run wind sprints one day and watch what happens tell me how much mental real estate you have to contemplate the stars <laughs> and the neighbor's lights on and your rate of uh, nothing you've got you've you, it's tunnel That's a small tunnel yeah it's a tunnel vision and you're going a mile a minute and everything there's you've got no space for anything and i wind sprints are great and then the next day go on a 45 minute solo walk without your phone and walk slowly, go on a stroll, go on a browse. And then you tell me what the difference is. You go on a slow walk and you're going to zoom out majorly. You go run wind sprints. You're going to zoom in majorly. And the same thing applies with our breathing. The same thing applies with our rate of speech. Uh, and those are all levers and gears and gas and brakes and turn signals. And now you're driving the bus, so to speak. <laughs> and it's because most people feel like a an innocent passenger on the on the the short bus of life. So that what you just said kind of almost refine it. It does refine my my definition of resiliency, and it's having the capacity at all gears the whole spectrum. And a lot of people just push one side, fast, fast, hard, heavy, strong. You, the other side is equally as important. And I didn't realize that in, until I took this and lifted course. So thanks for that. <laughs> My pleasure, buddy. Thanks for, thanks for being on level one. And the, the cosmic joke, cosmic giggle is that oddly enough, we um, learn to become better doing things slowly we get better at doing them quickly you know you we could use the vernacular of crossfit that whole rest and recovery thing that's a real thing um and and you know there's there's a term in tactical training slow is smooth and smooth is fast um yeah there's a lot of ways to describe it and and also longevity you know if you want to if you want to do that whole fitness thing for a extended period of time um get good at down regulating as as much as you are at up regulating yep that that for some people is harder way harder than murph yes. I, there's, like there's a guy on he just graduated uh yesterday mark gallant who's a wrestler and just type a guy and um we did the uh so the the language game that our group is doing tonight it's called whatifing the good shit it's very fun and he identified, you know, one of the things he said is, you know, what if I learned to slow down? Perfect. And then we elaborated on that. And I asked him to describe what slowing down meant. And he, he described that. And I was like, okay, well, um, what if we get actionable and practical about this? And so he, he, he got down to what if I do four one hour yin yoga classes every Tuesday for the rest of this month? And he did the first one. He said, that's, that was harder for me than any workout that I've done in the past five yeah. years, getting slow and quiet. Oh my God. Anything but that. 
Well, we, we have the same thing. We have people here, they're adrenaline junkies. They want the pedal to the metal for every single workout. And if we have a workout, sometimes we do what's called workouts that are for quality. Mm-hmm. Like we have one coming up this week, actually. And it's a lot of poses and positioning and stuff like that. They will cancel and would rather do nothing than do that slow shit. And that just tells me they're wound up, their breath is trapped, and they get a lot of shit going on in their head. Correct. Because those hard style, um, supercharged, got smoked, crushed, killed. Look at the words that people use about workouts. Um, uh, I, I died in my workout. No, you didn't. Um, that killed me. Yeah, ex- right. Yeah, Th- that right there. That's just taking the. That's like it's the. It's taking the lid off the pot and letting a little bit of steam out, and then putting the pot back on. The first certification. So I know exactly what you're talking about. The first certification that we ever ran, um, unbeknownst to us at the time, that it was the first, and we launched the way of the enlisted athlete, which is the online course that, for language and and mindset development for the fitness industry with Mike Bledsoe's so in 2019, we launched it at Paleo Effects. And it was a 12-week instructor-led course uh, with a coaching session with me. And and one of the weeks, we had some, we had some regional CrossFit athletes sign up for it. And one of the weeks, uh, their their homework was to not work out, to not break a sweat. And the thought of that, so most people only stop when they're injured. <laughs> the thought of not working out for an entire week when I could work out, it, it sent people wild in the face. And it was about 20 people on that, on that course. And we had two people, these, these cross, they, they canceled and said, keep our money. We can't do this. <laughs> and that to me was just a, a, a an example of what most people are using their fitness for, which is to placate and keep the lid on and just, you know, if look at the words, if I don't work out, I go crazy. They're telling the truth. Now, good working out. Um, you know, that's better than saying, you know, if I, if I don't shoot fentanyl, I'll go crazy. Um, and what would happen if we turned the, our fitness practice into uh, something that wasn't a band-aid for all our unresolved fears about ourselves, because that is, that's, that's, that's where this goes for people and they're fit. And when, when we work out that way, that's got longevity written all over it. The fastest way to get out of a, a, a fitness routine is to get injured. And the fastest way, in my opinion, because I've done it more than once to get injured while I'm working out is to stress myself out about something in my head and hold my breath and get distracted and do some dumb shit. For sure. Well, we hear people all the time, you know, the gym is my therapy session. They're serious. Oh, I know. But it's not the way that it's not the therapy that they need. Because doing that, they're keeping everything in or they're blocking it or they're forgetting about it. And really, they need a pen instead of a barbell to write that shit down. And then when you do, your workouts will get better. 100%. They'll, your, your workouts will go from a therapy They'll go from therapy to celebration. You're celebrating the fact that you can go do that because not everybody can go do that. Yep. There, there are people that are praying for the 
possibility of being able to walk in to a gym or how about just walk into a gym period Paris Robinson. I mean, like, yeah. Um, And, and my grandfather, I mean, what are the chances of this dude? My grandfather said, um, He said, if I ever see someone smiling while they're jogging, I'll give it a try. And that was 30 years ago. And I thought about that and I was like, that old geezer's got a point. And so uh, eventually I got around to changing my face while I'm working out. And what I realized is that I had, um, it wasn't resting bitch face. It was active asshole face. (laughs) <laughs> in the gym and and so muscle memory how about facial muscle memory so i'm like all scrunched and like acting like a wild beast in there and then what does my face look like when i walk out the door um and guess what your face is related to how well you breathe and vice versa so if your face is all scrunched up and you got it's all tight and stiff and like mm, ah, your breathing is tr- and then it just it compounds itself uh it's so we're we're improving the faces of the fitness industry. We're not changing the the face of the fitness industry. We're improving the faces in the fitness industry because a lot of people work out. They work out. Yeah, okay. You know, the, um, look at the word exercise. Exercise the demons. Think about that. They're working. They're working out to let off some steam, and they want to look good. They want to look sexy. They want to be attractive. Guess what? Everybody's better looking when you're smiling and you're breathing better. People want to be around you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go out on a date with someone and hold your breath and be all uptight and see how that thing goes. Compared to breathing well when you're out with them, and you'll you'll the whole thing will have a better rhythm. The other person will relax. They're probably all wound up in their head about something too. So, you know, you can set the tone, your tone, and first your tone, then the tone with your breathing. It's funny you bring that up. I, I, if memory serves me correct, I was listening to one of your podcasts. This was months ago and I was signed up for my, it was my second ever weightlifting competition. And right before I got on the platform, I looked at the guy that was, kind of like running and organize the event. And I go, Hey, Greg, I just want you to know I'm having a really good time today. And then I went out and I got a competition record. <laughs> it was, is that easy? Like, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm here to have fun. This is fun. I don't, there's no pressure. I don't, it's not that I didn't care, but the res, I didn't have as much, um, I guess, value in the results as I did on the process of just lifting and being there. And it showed in my face because you can see, you can see it. There was video of it, and uh, anyway, it was presence. Fun. Presence equals power, everybody. Yeah, man. And if someone's breath is in their chest, they're often la la land in their head about something. If you want to increase your presence, your power, your potency, uh, well, I, you know, I keep saying the same thing on purpose. Work on your breathing. If you want to work on your breathing work on your words. So before Enlifted was Enlifted, um, 20, 2018, late 17 and 18, early 18, Mike Bledsoe and I, we did four workshops where we combined language work, the Enlifted method, and um, specific workouts. I think the, the first one we did was at his house, and the second one we did was down at Travis Mash's gym in, in North Carolina, Olympic, Olympic weightlifting guy. 
And uh, the same thing happened every single time, which is people would get stories because you're walking in the gym with stories going on in your head. We They'd get the stories written down. We would air them out. We would do what we do, what you've learned to do. Uh, and then we'd send them into these workouts and people, it was, people were saying that was the smoothest workout of, of, I've ever had. And there were people that were hitting PRs and, um, it was, there was this, there was this beautiful silence. There's no music. There's just a beautiful silence in the gym too. As you could tell people, were, people were there instead of, you know, often that story about the thing once again, um, and those workshops were called flow stated, flow stated statements, flow statements. All right, everybody, get your pen. We're going to work on your flow statements. And it's cool words. It's just it got easier with it lifted. For sure. Mark, I like to end uh, all of my podcasts with one question. And I might, I'm going to maybe direct this. We'll see. The question is what's one practical thing somebody can do to become more resilient? I think if anybody's been listening, like actually listening to this, there's already a shit ton of stuff that they can actually do now. Um, I'm going to give, I'm going to just plug you guys here. They have a, Enlifted has a podcast. And in that there are what's called Enlifted Essentials. Listen to those. After this podcast, you're done listening to this. Get off of here and go look up Enlifted podcast and find the Enlifted Essentials. They're little tiny snippets, um, thought experiments, basically. Um, they do these little uh, in these funny intros. <laughs> I really enjoy them. They make we me have laugh. fun with it too. It's yeah. Like, yeah, you and Kimberly, the the intros are hilarious. And then it's an instant thought experiment. And then those are the actual things that you can do. Here's what, here's their motto. They make mindset practical. And by listening to those and lifted essentials, you will be able to start putting in reps to be able to change your mindset, to be able to quiet that voice of that victim mentality. I think I just answered the question for you, but is there anything else you'd like to add? Yes. Go Thank for you it. for that plug. He's right. Go, there are 10 minutes each, sometimes maybe like 12 or, or like, oh, they're like, so they're, they range like six to 12, but they're easily digestible. Yeah. And, and so, yes, absolutely. Go listen to some of those and listen to the one on soft talk twice. So soft talk is the gateway drug for the rest of people's language. What do I mean by soft talk? I don't know if this is video recorded too. And here we go, folks. So there's a there's a handful of words that I promise you are in your language. And I also promise you they're causing indecision and anxiety, also known as a flavor of stress. And here are the words. If you've got a pen and a piece of paper, please write these words down on a clean sheet of paper five times larger than you normally write. Why five times larger? When someone writes something five times larger, this thing called the reticular activating system, it goes, oh, hey, why am, why am I writing these words five times larger? And then it goes, it answers a question. It goes, doesn't matter. Just pay more attention to them. And then take, this is called the soft talk challenge. And then take that piece of paper and post it somewhere where you're going to see it for seven days. That's it. I've got, I've got this thing 
the laser etched in wood. Here are the words. Probably, write these down, folks. Feels like. Guess. Maybe. Could. Might. Possibly. Sort of. Kind of. Hopefully. Try. One day. Should. And almost like. And if you do that, you're going to start hearing these words. Not literally everywhere, but it'll feel like it. <laughs> and then what will inevitably happen is you'll pluck one or two of them out of a text or an email because that's the easiest place to start editing your language because you've got that lead time. It's externalized. You can see it. And your your sentence or your text goes from, I guess we should probably get together sometime to let's get together this Friday. Uh, are you available at 7? And watch what happens to the response. Your relationships will improve when you start to pluck out that soft talk Dude. and start to use solid talk. I literally just posted this on my Instagram today. I wrote, I hope to maybe lose five pounds. How confident are you in your ability to lose the five pounds? Probably not a lot. If we use solid talk, such as I will lose five pounds by next month. Well, that tells me a lot. And then with that, we can dive into, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to do that? Let's start making some action plans to make sure that happens. But the first one, I hope to maybe lose five pounds. doesn't mean anything. They're just squiggles. They're just, they're just, <laughs> there's just some squiggles and sounds that uh, talk you out of doing shit. What kind right. of response did you get from people on that? Just a bunch of hearts right now, but. That's good. It gets people thinking, man. That's I all. Ran I, don't give, I don't care how they respond to it. As long as they become more aware of it, awareness is step one. And once people become more aware, so I say ABC, awareness creates behavior change. Nice. That's that's it. And so, you know, that's when you see those uh, flashing speed signs when you're driving too fast, that creates awareness and it slows you down. So becoming more aware of your words will help slow you down. He speaketh the truth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I've been around for a while. Not you got me by two years, but yeah, it's it's that's it's a that's there aren't many people who've been coaching that long, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and and I also see that changing because the coaching industry, uh, it's 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 grown up to a degree where. Um, it, it has, how, how would I say this? Um, people have gotten good at it. You know, there are a lot of good coaches out there that get results for their clients. And um, here's the thing. Fitness ain't going anywhere. People wanting to feel good and look good and have a community and um, exercise their body. That ain't going anywhere. So, um, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you at 26 and 24. And then 36 and 34. For sure. But before then, I'll see you tonight for our uh, coaching call. 
dude. Call number seven. <laughs> Call number, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Yeah, man. All right. Again, Mark, appreciate you coming on here. Uh, I feel like we've only literally scratched the surface of, uh, of all of this, but hopefully with the lifted essentials and if people take the, the lifted level one, I think my wife is you now, mm, she's on the fence. She's asking a lot of questions about it, which is good. And if she's listening to this, it might just push her over the edge and, and take her there. Um, or yeah, book a coaching call with me. I'd be happy to help you quiet the shit talker in your head. I know mine's been brought down a few notches and uh, my outlook has changed drastically. So it's, I know it'll work and I'm happy to help anyway. When we get off here, I'm going to go into my calendar and uh, November 1st, I'm going to write down, invite myself back on Kevin's podcast. Let's do it, man. Yeah. I'll, for round I'll be two. Here. Right on. All right. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe and I'll see you next time.